Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. This will be number three, and we're really just kind of talking about the broad topic of overcoming temptation and unbelief. So we started and we looked at James 1 and then 1 Corinthians, James 1, 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But just to kind of uh, briefly recap, James 1 is a chapter in, that people a lot of times use to say, embrace tragedy in your life because it might be God doing something to you to teach you a lesson. You ever heard that? You ever been taught that? You ever believed that? Embrace death, embrace sickness, embrace job loss, embrace calamity, because it might be God doing something to you to teach you a lesson to make you more holy. That is baloney. Can you say baloney? In the Greek, that's baloney. <laughs> but it's just, you cannot, you know, then people, well, what about Job? Or what about this? And it's like, you, you have to frame Scripture in its own context. And let's just see, he does say embrace the trial of your faith. And so last week we kind of talked about there's, there's different trials of faith. There's, let me go back here. So your faith is tried when you face difficulty in this life. Your faith is tried when God asks you to go do something and you don't feel worthy of it or you don't feel like you can do it, and it's, but it's time for you to step out. Your faith is tried. Your faith is tried when you're sitting in front of Jesus and he said, there's thousands of people here. We need to feed them. What are we going to feed them with? And you're like, I don't have enough money to pay, pay, buy food for all these people. But he already knew he wanted to see what was in their hearts. We boil it down to this. Trials of faith that come from God are opportunities to believe Him. They are not external things that God is playing chess with your life to make your life difficult. Now, you might experience suffering when you say yes to Him and you step into your calling and you follow Him and you might be persecuted for your faith, and you might even lose your life. But he's not doing that to you to get you to be more holy or be more righteous. He's already given you all of that in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you might suffer as you walk out your calling. But if you're just suffering because of everyday life, like illness or poverty or anything like that, that's not God doing that to you Amen. to make you more holy. Amen. 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 So... Just to kind of touch on here, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations and some say trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but when tempted. So the thing that you're supposed to count all joy when it comes into your life, verse 13, when it comes, don't say it's from God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, neither tempts he anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed or lust. Meaning, so, so it's kind of a twofold thing here. We're talking about the character of God and how he operates in your life, but then we're also dialing it a little bit more personally and talking about what you're going through and those temptations that rise up where you have an opportunity to choose carnality rather than his leading. 
And what I want to talk about more so are the attitudes and the emotions that drive sinful behavior, not sinful behavior. Because a lot of times when we talk about temptation, we just thought talking about behavior modification. It's like put locks on your computers, stay away from the bar, pour your alcohol out, like all these behavior modification type things or whatever, you know. Go breathe, take some time, you know, whatever, whatever your behavioral sin might be, those things that you might easily be ensnared by, they start with emotions and thoughts. So we then started talking about the idea of being spiritually minded, looking at Romans 8. Let me just click through these here because they'll keep me on track. So when you are tempted, you have an opportunity to prove out or strengthen your faith, but don't say it's from God. So then we started talking about this last week, nurturing spiritual desires by being spiritually minded. And I'm, we're going to do kind of a group exercise today of what it looks like to struggle with something, turn to the Word, set our mind on that, and then nurture that, nurture that spiritual desire rather than the, the temptation. Because right now a lot of us are temptation are temp, temptationed. <laughs> it is now. To be afraid, to be, to be confused, to have anxiety, to be angry. Man, we're being tempted to be angry. Don't you know? You're not? You're just a big ball of love. Let me, let me just say here, the redness of your face. He goes, not me, Tracy. goes, Sorry, I'm, I just threw you even more under the bus. You threw yourself, and I just, I threw it in reverse. <laughs> what well, you're in the political world, and man, that is the most divisive sector right now. You got the media wanting everybody to be enemies. You got everybody, you know, anyway, I'm not going to rant on that. So what we want to do, <laughs> we want to nurture spiritual desires because there's plenty of opportunity to give in to those carnal desires. And again, I'm not just talking about the destructive, obvious, sinful behaviors. I'm also talking about you might watch the news and give in to the temptation to start thinking that people that vote a different way than you are an enemy just because they have a different political party. It's like, but if you probably sat down with that person, you'd realize they're a human being. Now, there might be some fundamental issues that you disagree on, and that's fine. But you, you understand, we are tempted all day, every day, especially if you're watching TV. Don't give in to those temptations. Watch out, those desires. Now, see, so what's the desire that rises up that you then choose anger over division in our nation or in the world? Like, what's the desire that rises up that then drives you to anger because of this group is doing this? What's the godly desire rising up? We're going to go there. Justice will probably be a really good one. But that's, that's the kind of thing I want to do as a group today. So let's keep going here. And we talked about this idea, Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, or it brings death into your life. Living according to the flesh is looking at someone's behavior and saying, I can't believe that. They're my enemy now, the division that we have, you know. Uh, so, but if by the Spirit... And that's what we're going to talk about today, this elusive by the Spirit. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, emotions are also deeds of the body because it drives ultimately the thoughts and the behaviors. The thoughts intermingle, which drives the behaviors. So, 
By the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So Paul does this a lot when he's writing. Like you can kind of read him in reverse. You, you ever seen those things where it's like you read it and then you read it reverse and it's got a kind of the same but slightly different message? It might be a little chilly in here if we want to bump the air up one or two, somebody. I see people putting on sweaters and huddling up. Um, so by the Spirit, say by the Spirit. By the Spirit. That's what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. Paul, we went through this last week. If you're watching or if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to last week. It went all through Romans 8, went into pretty good detail about this. Um, you know, so, all right, so let me keep going. Romans 8, 5, for those who are according to the flesh, and we talked about last week, flesh is two applications. That word sarks is your nature and your skin, but it's also a way of thinking that you are still your old nature. Like you think, like if you identify with something, a sin behavior, and then you get born again and you're, you become the righteousness of God in Christ, but you still think like the old way, that's flesh-mindedness. You're thinking according to the dead man that's been dead and crucified and buried with him. We go and drag that thing up all the time. All right, so set their minds. So for those who walk according to the flesh, set their minds. How do you walk in the flesh? You set your mind on things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit... Set their minds, you can put in there, on the things of the Spirit. So how do you walk in the Spirit? Set your mind on things of the Spirit. We're going to all do that collectively here, so be ready. Uh, so for the mindset, interesting, for the mindset of the flesh or on the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit or on the Spirit is life and peace. Amen. Mindset. How do I set my mind on the Spirit and think spiritually? To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace, right? So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we know that, you know, your you don't just wake up and do something stupid. You think about it first. You have feelings about it first. You decide whether or not you want to do it, and then you do it. And then depending on how long you've done it, whether it be burst out in anger or something, you know, whatever the behavior might be, your brain becomes ingrained to just fire those patterns and you run that path and you feel like you don't have control and then you get to conveniently blame the devil for making you do it. <laughs> when really you just nurtured that mindset for a very long time and developed a schema in your brain and your body triggers and fires that thing and you do that without ever even, you, you really don't even think about it. And that's what we want to do. We want to interrupt those, renew our minds, put on who we are in Christ and change our inner state, change our mindsets. Because the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Good. Setting your mind, it should be is. Setting your mind is more than thinking, it's believing. So you're not just going to sit there and think about spiritual stuff. There's an active aspect to it. There's a believing to it as well. All right, here we go. So I gave you some homework last week, and it was to go into Scripture and find some passages that give you instructions on how to think or what to think about. Now, if you, don't, if you didn't do that, I would encourage you to go back and do that. I did a little bit of it here for you. I'm going to click through a few of these, and we're going to read these together. But there's a great 
I mean, there's so many great online applications these days. There's blueletterbible.org. You just go in there and you type in a single word, and it'll pull up every scripture in the Bible on that word. And you can really do a pretty exhaustive word study. It's got a full Jacinius Hebrew lexicon. It's got the full Greek Thayer's lexicon. Those are both incredible tools. And we're going to do a, a kind of a workshop on how to use those tools to see which definitions of which words apply to which scriptures. I love all that stuff. So, But... Um, you can go even, I think it's openbible.info is a pretty good reference as well. And that's a guy that just that built that out, but it's not as technical, which is good when you're just wanting to find a bunch of scriptures on a particular topic. So it's like a topical search, but so openbible.info. But let me click through a few of these and then we'll do this group exercise. All right, so spiritually minded. How do I become spiritually minded, right? Because remember, we're talking about those temptations that we're dealing with. They're desires that rise up within us, that drive our behaviors. We want to nurture our spiritual desires. We want to be influenced by the Spirit. We want to experience the fruits of the Spirit. We want to live within what the Spirit wants to do through our bodies and our lives, right? We want to, be, we want to walk in the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to eat the fruit of the Spirit. And it, what we see is that it has everything to do with your mindset first. And there's, there's so I'm going to read some really good ones here, and then there's some instruction. All right, so here we go. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not sit there and watch the news to decide how you're supposed to feel that night. Amen. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you are transformed as you renew your mind, good or bad. What you put in is what you're going to grow. That is what's going to grow into your life. So you can be transformed for the worse. Carnal-mindedness. And I, I, I love watching the dots get connected because that's what he's saying here. He's saying the same thing he said earlier in Romans 8. Be carnally-minded is death. Be spiritual-minded is life and peace. And then he's just, you know, there's a little bit more on that idea. So to be, but be transformed. Now see, transformation is a metamorphosis. When a butterfly, when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, everything that that, thing, that that caterpillar needs to be a butterfly is actually already in the caterpillar. It goes into a state, and then what's in it grows out of it. Like those wings are already in the caterpillar, right? It doesn't go in there, and then caterpillar, and then butterfly wings fly down from heaven, and then it puts it on, right? It doesn't, it's like, doesn't go to the wing store. Those things are already in there. So transformation is not when you work really hard to become something that you are not now. Transformation is not when you get really good at being a Christian and then you gain, you know, you get become a better Christian or more holy or more righteous or any of that type of stuff. Metam metamorphosis or metamorpho or transformation is when that which is in you spiritually overtakes you. And that has everything to do with the gifts as well. This equipping the body thing that I'm going to be doing on Wednesdays in August, we're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit and things like that in practical ways, praying for one another and all that. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Bob and I were talking about it this morning. But So transformation is not when you try to become something. Transformation is when you let that which is within you become bigger into your life. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You want Him to come upon you. That's transformation. All right, so let's keep going. This is taking it back to the old. Keep this book of the, this is Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law 
or instruction always on your lips. Meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Does God make you prosperous and successful because you kept the law? No. no. It's just how it works. He gave you the instruction book. You think and live according to the way that he says this world best operates, and that's what happens. It produces life and success, prosperity in your life. Amen. Colossians 3.1. Again, we're looking at... We're looking at we're, so to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We're dealing with the stuff internally, dealing with our mindsets. We're looking at instruction of what to think about and how to think. Because I'm telling you, if you get this, it'll change your life. It really will. Those things that you've been trying to change in your life for your whole life, this is how you do it. It, it just really is. Uh, so Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, Since then, since then you have been raised, say have been, with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, say minds, on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Say, I'm dead. I'm dead. No, dead. dead. There you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I just got an, a message this week. Somebody messaged and they wanted, to, they wanted to, to, my take on if Jesus as, is at the Father's right hand, then which hand are we at of Jesus? And, and I get what they're saying because they're having an encounter and they're wanting to understand. Probably a little too literal thinking because for Jesus to be seated at the right hand of the Father is more of a position of authority than it is location. Right. Like if you went to heaven, he might be standing to your left, his right. Maybe. But it has more to do with Jesus is God's right hand man. Amen. He, he's, he's the authority of God, Right. That, that's what it means. He's in that position of authority. No matter where he is, locationally, authoritatively, that's where he's at. He's, he's raised into that position of authority, seated in that place. In other words, it's finished. Now, you are as well, right? You are raised with him, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, how does that work? Am I, I'm not there. Am I here and there? Well, you're thinking locationally. You have to think authoritatively. You share. You are a co-heir with him. Okay, let's keep going. This is another one. Uh, I put that one in there twice. All right, so Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters. Wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to say just dear brothers. Women are important in the Bible. <laughs> they left that out. Hadn't you ever heard that? Sorry. I have all these conversations and they just kind of come out on you sometimes. I don't believe that. Yeah. I just, we just had two women speak. So. Yeah. All right. Fix your thoughts. I mean, like when you really go and look at it, there is a lot of instruction on what to think and how to think. Why? Because it leads to transformation. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, this right here, you could take that one passage and make that like a life 
application exercise. So no matter what you're facing, you get a bad diagnosis, you lose a job, you're having marital problems, your kids are crazy, whatever it might be, the world's going nuts. Think on these things. All right, what's true? What's the truth right now? Let me anchor myself back in the truth. I, I, I might even be deceived in this moment. Right? I might have given in to the temptation to be swayed a little bit by what the enemy might be trying to do in this earth. I, I might be, I might, I can't trust myself, so let me make sure that I anchor myself back in. What's tr what is the truth in this situation I'm dealing with right now? And that always is rooted in the, what's the honorable thing right now in this situation? What's the, you know, the admirable thing? Are you with me? So when you're facing something and you're facing something that's causing a lot of difficulty in your life, go through this. Ask yourself. And then you go into Scripture and you say, well, on, the honorable thing would be this. And so, you, again, it's not behavior modification. You're just looking to reframe your inner state by the Word of God. You're using the Word of God to put something in there in your mind, which is spiritual thinking, which is life and peace. If you don't have life and peace in a particular area, exercise some spiritual thinking, and you will. Now, the external situation might not change to your favor, but your internal response to it will, which is what will determine life and peace for you. Amen? Amen. All right. Last one. Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regarding to your former way of life, your dead man, that part of you that was dead and crucified with Christ, is dead and gone, the part of you that was dead in sin, that part of you that God performed spiritual surgery on you and removed that body of flesh, as in Colossians 2 it talks about, and put it away from you, call it your old nature, is gone. You now are... So I, I think of it in terms... Like the picture that I see of that is, you ever see the old dead little stick in a pot and you thought you were going to do something with it and it just sat there and a couple of years later it's like a little twig sticking out of the soil in the pot and you're... Okay, yeah. That thing's dead, right? It ain't coming back. Now imagine if you could pick that thing out and splice it into a living one, and then it, then it lives, but it's not living in its own, its old dead roots and soil, you know. And that's, that's not even as good as it could be because it becomes something new altogether, but, but that dead stick now begins to live from a different life source, that's us. We were dead in sin. Now we're alive in Him. We don't have those dead roots anymore. We're not trying to draw from that old pot. We're in Him. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. All right. So you were taught with regarding to your... Now, we still think that way. We still think carnally. We still think according to our dead man, especially if you keep repeating the behaviors associated with that dead man, or that dead man had some trauma that still lingers into your life now? I mean, a lot of us deal with stuff that happened to us in our past, and it still affects us today. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to drag that thing to the cross and see Jesus up there suffering for what you, the trauma that you have Amen. from that thing. Jesus experienced that on the cross. Right. Like, do you realize that? Jesus went, experienced your trauma Amen. for you. That's good. He did. Now, I can't explain to you how to go to him and have an interaction with what he did on that cross so that you release that and give it to him. I mean, I know that that's possible. I've done it. But to tell you how to do it, 
I can't really tell you how to do it. We just kind of paint the picture that it's available for you. You go. Go to him. Let him take that trauma. Let him experience that suffering. Yeah. And and need to get out of those situations. All right, so 22, you were taught with regarding to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. This is kind of drilling down to where we're going now, these deceitful desires that rise up. The things that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing or feeling or acting out on, you already know. Right? Don't you? I mean, some people get so deceived that they're, they're like, I am this way. And they, they're like, who they are is their sinful behavior. Like, most sin, there's a distinction between the behavior and the person. But some of them are like, no, this is me. Like, I am sin. They wouldn't call it sin, but anyway. The deceitful desires. And so a deceitful desire is a godly desire that you are seeking to fulfill in an ungodly way. Like everything that you desire was given to you by God. But how you've learned to respond to the desire has been taught to you by your experiences in the world. But those desires can still be nurtured in such a way that you fulfill them in godly ways so that there will be life and peace for you. So that's what I want to help us do is realize, and if you can get ahead of it and deal with temptation at this level, then the the Acting out behavior is easy to clean up and take care of because you cut it off at the root where it starts before it ever turns into full-grown sin, as James calls it, right? It's like little baby sin in there. Then it comes full-grown sin. Then it's death for you. It's a struggle until then. So uh, let, me, let me finish this. Verse 23, Ephesians 4, 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I love that the attitude of your minds. Now, you know, some of us, our attitude is just what keeps us in sin. All right. And to put on the new self, not to become the new self, but to put it on. You already have it. It's in there. It's like the picture would be the caterpillar putting on the butterfly wings. They're inside. You reach down within and put it on. And it's really the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So, and to put on the new self or the new man created after God or to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. You are truly righteous and holy right now in this moment. You might not be living like it, but I know why. Because you've been nurturing them old deceitful desires you got rolling around in your head there, right? So, be spiritually minded. All right, ready? And we kind of started, but I want, I want to do this kind of together. I'm going to ask Philip for you to follow along with me. And let's talk about some emotional desires that we have right now. Because again, you all have things that you want to get better at and clean up in your life, but they start with thoughts and they start with emotions. And I think if we do this together, you know, we'll, we'll just see. I don't really know how this is going to go, but we'll see. Y'all ready? What is a... Let me just say this. 
again, every desire you have was God given to you, but it might become perverted. And it might just be twisted because of how you see or respond to that. Let's say, let's say there's sexual abuse in your past. Your first encounter with a sexual, you know, your first sexual encounter because it was perverted and abusive is installed in you. And then later on, maybe you start having the desire for sexual, you know, interaction and intimacy in a healthy way. But because you have this trauma in your life and that's the frame in which you experience that to begin with and trauma sets it in there, even though, you know, it's destructive, it still comes up and it's irrational. You know, so deceitful desire could almost even be called irrational desire. We have these things. We have these irrational thoughts. We're sitting there and we're seeing the battle in our minds. And it's like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Why am I doing that? You, you can walk yourself through a process of letting that stuff go by nurturing the spiritual desire. The spiritual desire being, you know, just starting with the fruits of the Spirit. Where are the fruits of the Spirit in the Bible? Galatians 5, yes, I'm going to test you today. God won't test you, but I will. <laughs> Galatians 5, thank you. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, patience, kindness, joy, long-suffering, self-control, meekness, gentleness. Yeah. All right, so let's just start there. What are the opposites of some of those things that you might be experiencing or that you know somebody might be experiencing? So emotionally... What are some of the things that you've been going through that you've been struggling with? So throw out some emotions. Anger. Anger, fear, rejection. Selfishness. Hate. Doubt. Lack of self-control. Patience. Impatience. Yeah. There we go. Take your pick, right? All right. Now, let's start with the easy one, impatience. I blow up. Let's say, let's say you blow up all the time, that there's just this kind of underlying sense of anger. Now, it's important to know your body also. Maybe you have a liver imbalance. Maybe you have alcoholism in your past or currently, and the way that alcohol affects the liver and a degraded, unhealthy liver tends to produce emotions of anger because your body is all related. There's actually kind of a Chinese or a Eastern medicine model that talks about how Certain emotions are related to different organs and, and, org and functions. And so you, that's why you see mean drunks. You know, people have been drinking for their whole lives. It turns them mean. It's not just because the liver is bad, but it is a factor. And sometimes if you just have this kind of low rumbling underlying anger and you just don't know why, maybe you could go and, and get your liver checked out and do kind of like a liver cleanse or eat something healthy or quit putting junk in there that's contributing to that and watch what happens, you know? So we're not just looking for mystical spiritual answers to drop down. You know, I've seen people get healed of like radical diabetes, of all kinds of things, but then they go back to eating how they were before and produce it again. You know, it's like hand, it, go, it really, it goes hand in hand. So impatience, what would be the spiritual fruit or spiritual desire to juxtapose impatience. Patience. patience. All right. What does the Bible say about patience? Let it have a perfect work in you. 
Somebody, y'all pull out your phones. Let's do this together. And we'll throw some scriptures back there for Philip to put up for us. Give me a couple scriptures on patience. Because here, so, all right, so we're dealing with impatience. I'm just impatient. I just blow up. I deal with this. You know, I, I, got, I can't, I get ahead of myself, right? What is it? Romans 5.3. Let's put Romans 5.3 up. Philip, if you would, Romans 5.3. We'll just go with the New King James. Romans 5.3. So you're dealing with issues. You don't want to have those issues in your life. What do you do? This is what you do. You go to the Word. You find out what the Word says. You find out what you want in your life. You go to the Word so that you can nurture what it is that you actually want in your life rather than beating yourself up because of what you don't have. Are you with me? So this is what we do. Not only that, but also we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not point because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Leave it there. That one right there gives you the solution already, right? So you're facing difficulty. You're facing a tribulation. Now, it's helpful to know a little bit of teaching what a tribulation is. Is the tribulation God doing something to make your life difficult? No. no. In the world, you have tribulation, Jesus said. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So this is why you got to know the Word and know what these things are. Contextually, if you do a study on tribulation, you find out it's pressure. It's external pressure that creates a stress. The word tribulation is never associated with God like personally acting upon your life to teach you something. But the teaching here is when you have that pressure externally, that tribulation, that difficulty, they've cut my payback, my spouse is not behaving really well right now, it's creating stress for me, I don't like what's going on in the country, tribulation, pressure, pressure, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. All of that comes in, right? And we're wanting patience, we're wanting to dial it back, we're not wanting to get ahead of ourselves and blow things up. What does the Word say? What you have here is it comes down to the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when you're experiencing external pressure, you need the love of God in your heart. Now, what does that make you think of? It makes me think of Ephesians 3 where it talks about the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts so that we would know the breadth and length and depth and width of, to be filled with the knowledge of, or to the fullness of Him, right? Something like that. But it's... it's Ephesians 3, you go to there. So, so you start kind of letting the Bible lead you along based on what it is that you want to see happen in your life. You're not going to the Word and saying, what am I supposed to do? You're going to the Word and saying, how am I supposed to think about this, deal, this thing that I've got going on in my life? Lord, how, well, how do you see this? Let me get your mind on this, Lord. And this is what you say about it. And then you have a choice. Which one do you want in your life? But if you don't open that word, and I'm not saying you always got to get in there and it's going to fix everything for you. It's not, that's not either it either. Because what you do is you take the word, and then remember how we've been talking about meditating in the word to get revelation or to let it become alive within you? That's what you would do. So what would it look like for you if you're dealing with impatience to sit with this knowledge, sit with this seed, to experience the love of God poured out in your heart to effectuate patience in your life. What does that look like for you? 
peace. That's right. So when you align your heart with it, you will then begin to hear how God's speaking about it. He'll show you. That's right. And that's, that's huge. See, because what's happening is you've like stepped into the world to think according to the way that the world thinks, but you haven't taken the word or gone to him to see how he thinks about it and what he says about it. It's really kind of basic, but we don't do it. I'm telling you, most of the world doesn't do this. Most of the Christian world doesn't do this. The Bible is, let me just read it a little bit. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Memorize Galatians 5. The fruits of the, I probably should know because the pastor's going to ask me in church. Where's the fruits of the Spirit? I, I want it to be food for you. Living, breathing sustenance for you. Because it is. It's alive. We treat it like it's bad taste in medicine, right? Instead of like it's nourishment. Right. Because we look at it legalistically. We look at it like, oh, I've got to go do that. And I know what God, God's going to want me to do this, and I don't want to do that. And we treat prayer like we're trying to change God's mind. Or <laughs> we need him to change us. Yeah. Instead of ba basic understanding, yep. I'm going to, I choose to agree with Right. He's so, already done it. Right. That's right. And condition, right. So just so people can hear on recording and all that, she said we treat prayer as if we're trying to convince God to do something or change us in a particular way rather than prayer being proclaiming the truth of who I am, who he is, and getting ourselves in alignment with that. I mean, that's what prayer, prayer should be more of a mind renewal exercise and a declarative exercise to speak out the truth into your life. Prayer is not God will you show up and do something for me. So to that point. All right, so impatience. That's one we kind of walked through. Let's do one more. What's another one? Depression or fear or anxiety. Or sadness. sadness. All right, let's look for sadness. So sadness. What juxtaposes within the fruits of the Spirit sadness? Joy. Joy. What does the words... All right, so I'm just feeling sad. Feeling sad, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. How? How is the joy of the Lord your strength? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When he sees you, it gives him joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You were set before him. See, that's what happens. And you kind of get in this interactive thing. So I'm worth it. That's beautiful. I mean, that's like it in a nutshell. Sadness, I'm dealing with sadness. The joy of the Lord is my strength. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Man, I'm worth it to him. That lifts you up, right? But not just knowing those scriptures, but letting that kind of be an organic string that you walk through, that you're using. The Bible is informing that process, but it's something that's alive. Man, I'm, I'm worth. And so then you stop and you think about it. You get creative with it, right? Man, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm that joy. Right. I am the joy that he endured the cross for. Amen. Man, he, he must really love me. He really cares about me. Yeah. And, then let your and then let your emotions follow suit, you know. So it's like you're poetically performing the word back to yourself to change your inner state. There's no greater tool to change your inner state and mindset with than the word of God. 
But a lot of us have bad theology. That's why I spend so much time teaching on the character of who God really is in the finished work so that you can do this process without... See, because a lot of times we have a guilt and we're like, yep, sounds about right. God doesn't like me. I should probably feel guilty. Life sucks. You know, that's kind of the mindset that people stick in with, but it's like, no. What we just went through, that's beautiful. All right, let's do one more. Fear. Fear. All right, fear. So just going from the fruits of the Spirit or even something else, fear. What would be not the opposite? We're not trying to find opposites, but if I have fear in my life, the Spirit has an answer for that. Peace, love. love. All right, peace and love, right? So fear. I don't want this fear in my life. How many of you have dealt with fear in the past? Yeah, fear. Goodness, yeah. So faith and love, all right? All right, so fear. What does the word say about fear? Boom, right off the bat. You're cheating now. You're just reading the walls what you're doing. All right, pull that one down for just a minute. But now we'll read that. There is no fear in love. Perfect love. Ca- you know, and, and this one really is a very powerful one. I love the way that the new, the new living says it. Ultimately, it comes down to it. It says, if I'm afraid of God, it is for fear of what he might do to me, which reveals that I am not yet convinced that he loves me. You know, so, so maybe we put that and it's like, okay, so if I have fear, it's because I'm afraid of what God's going to do to me or allow to happen in my life, let's say. in this, Because that's probably the fear that's underlying a lot of what we're experiencing, what might happen. Is God somehow involved in this that's creating the fear? You know what I mean? So you, you just, you're just putting it in your mind, you're putting it in your heart, you, you're, you're giving the, op, the word an opportunity to bear fruit in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking about it. All right, so what's another one on fear? Psalm 23, right? Um, so then you go and read a psalm. There's probably always a psalm that's appropriate for. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So, so let's, let's kind of drill down for you, because that's a big one. People have been, almost every hand went up when we talk about dealing with fear. What would be, so if you start to feel afraid, what are you going to go to? And do what with it? Specifically for you, what what does what does it? Where are you going to go with fear, Stacy? You got something? Uh, well, the word perfect in the perfect love talks about fear is actually mature. It's mature. So the word perfect is mature. But it's mature love. So mature love. Fear and mature love. So when there's fear, it's an opportunity for the love of God to mature. Mm. That's good. When there's yeah, so the word perfect is the word mature or full or complete even. So if there's fear, it's an opportunity for the love of God to become mature within me, which is, which, is a, which is an exercise in spiritual thinking to allow that love to develop within you. Just to tag on that, I had a friend say to me once that the degree to which you have fear in your life mm-hmm. is equal to the degree that you do not know your love. Yeah. And that really spoke volumes to me. It's, right. not, it's not this condemning thing of, well, right. you don't know your love. Like, no, there's just more of his love. Right. And his perfect love, his mature love, his complete love yep. for you to realize. And as you do that, it's going to dry out. And as, so as you do that, that's what I want to drill down on. Because it's great to hear that. 
but what do you do with it? And I'm sure you went there and did something with it, but that's what we're talking, that's what we're, so I'm piggybacking on both of that, and let's go even a little bit deeper. What do we do with it? All right, so when there is fear, it's because of not knowing that God loves us in that particular area. Does anybody want to be brave and kind of say an area where you're struggling with fear? Finances. Everybody, I mean, that's a big one on a lot. All right, so I'm afraid. Anybody ever been afraid about the financial situation in your life before? Yeah. The YouTube didn't raise your hand. You guys are blessed. Uh, all right. So what do you do with that? Right now, maybe you're afraid because man, it's like volatile right now. What do you do with that? What do you think of when you have a financial fear in your life? Where does your mind go? Toward the positive. God is not giving me a spirit of fear. It's not, a gift. It's not from God. It's not from God. Yeah. All right, so first off, establish this fear is not from God. Yeah. You, but the rest of it is he's given me a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Yeah. Those are from God. So right. Those things, to me, is just like a weapon right against that. That's right. Right. So financial fear. God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind related to financial issues. What does it look like? If he's given me the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind related to my financial fear, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I do with that? How do I sit within and own that power within this fear of finances? What do I do? Where do I go? What's something else that comes up in your mind scripturally? Go back to who God is. God is Jehovah Jireh, yes. God takes care of. Right, so Matthew 6. That's right. So, so you go, I've got this financial fear. Boom, I'm going to this. God doesn't want me to have this fear. So I've got the, but I have power and love and a sound mind. Boom, that takes me to Matthew 6. It starts showing me. No, he cares about me. He cares about the flowers and the birds. And if he takes care of those, he's surely going to take care of me. And because he values me, he wants to provide for me. He's a provider. So you build this up in your mind, right? You inf you, you, you're changing that inner state and you're informing your desires so that you're shifting inwardly. I'd write it out too. And then you can also go to, I, I don't forget what Bible Yeah, write it out too. That's I'm good. That's awesome. You know, and that's something that can be like alive for you in that moment exactly. that changes your life. Yes. Exactly. That you give yourself the opportunity to let these little things bud up and spring up. There was some you there was somebody you and go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say sometimes for me, I need to get outside of my head. Yep. Mm, so we need each other, yeah. Into you know, my life so they can be praying for me. So yeah. they can hold me accountable for where my thoughts go. Yeah. And sometimes we need to share each other's success stories and God stories and say, you know, I was there. And let me tell you what God did. Right. Testimony, yeah. building up each other in the church. Awesome. Tammy? I think, too, it's asking for the wisdom. 
asking for wisdom, which has gone all the way back to James 1, which is kind of what we started this all. I'm talking over you guys because I'm wanting to get it on the recording and the people watching, so don't get mad at me, but go ahead. So the wisdom opens up your mind to, the, to more possibilities. Right. Right. So, and then when you see, when you open your mind, you see more possibilities, and then that leads to his unlimitedness in the possibilities. Yep. So that's where that creative start to flow right. <clears throat> when you, when you you're getting mind. his mindset to see his possibility because he said all things are possible for those who believe mm-hmm. so if, if you're facing a situation and it looks impossible you're not believing <laughs> but when you look at something you're like I think it's possible we can get over this I have no idea how I don't know what I'm going to do but I think, this, I think this is possible mm-hmm. you're, you're giving the, the spirit an opportunity two more and then we'll wrap yep Second <laughs> Corinthians three eighteen. Pull that up if you would, please, sir. Second Corinthians three eighteen. But we all with open face, looking as in a mirror. And I was talking to somebody about this this week. Like she thought, she was wondering, can we really take the word of God literally? She was dealing with, she's dealing with MS, and I was like, whatever's in the word is like a. Some, I, I I don't want to sound weird, but it's like a catalog mm. of you know things promises. that you can promises. You know, yeah. Yep. That's how it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's how it is in my born again spirit. And you just sit there and like we're talking about right now, meditate on it. Yep. And and sit there and hang your faith on it and and, and see that's such a key is you don't just know it's like, okay, now I know that the word says that. No, now <laughs> then, like you said in Joshua, you sit within it and you meditate on it until it changes your state. You see yourself as that child of God. You see God being that for you so that it becomes believable for you and that becomes life and peace as you think in your... And, and that manifestation aspect, it's like, so what you're doing is you're doing the Mark 4 principle. You're sowing the seed within you. You are cultivating that word and then Jesus gives the explanation of how the manifestation comes and happens. He says, it's like a farmer who casts seed in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happened, but it produces after its own kind. What you're doing right now, if there's that owning of it and letting it be real to you so that it becomes possible for you, it's like a seed and it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. But our scientific minds want to understand it. Your job is to rest because it's going to grow. Mm-hmm. of fear and your mind has become renewed mm-hmm. by doing whatever you need to do and then it's over with the next time around yeah your heart learns how to deal with it like it's not a, it's not an issue anymore. right so you you build up spiritual endurance and you yep. start growing in the renewal of your mind in that area in those areas yeah you, you, it, it gets okay. it, it gets easier. You learn, and and your brain is plastic, or it's in a state of neuroplasticity, so it will follow suit as well. So, sometimes, if you've got a really bad addictive behavior, but you can break it long enough that your physiology, and sometimes people, you know, you get headaches, you get all this stuff going on, and but to break that cycle, man, I'm telling you, there comes a tipping point, especially when you do this. I think you had your hand up. Was there one that you were contributing? Yeah, see, that's God saying of himself, I will bless you, pretty much, right? 
Like God declares himself these things. That's a powerful exercise. Go in and look at everywhere where God says, this is who I am. He'll be that for you too. He just will. And you renew your mind to that. Amen? Amen. Good job, guys. Give yourselves a hand. That was awesome. So, so do that for yourselves. And, and like Sarah said, write it out. And you then end up writing out kind of your own, your, your own meditation, your own devotional, and your own mantra, where you then go to it daily and you, you reiterate it, right? So you're building, you can call it journaling, I call it, you know, just Bible study, really. And, and, but you write it out and you see it there for you, and you take time. You just take the time to do it. Will you take the time to do it? Like, will you? Really? I hope so. I really do hope so. Okay. Uh, the thing about creeds, they're declarations, and that's what they used in the past. Say that again. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. The creed was a declaration. In the past when they had trouble. So yeah. So that's, that's the thing about the creed that was important. Wow. Do you see what God did there? Okay, I just now got that. My lightning fast mind. That's so okay. That's where the creed come from. Can't yeah. came right. Where that come from? You know, if you make your own creed, you're making your own creed. Yeah, you are. For each specific situation. That's what they did. They wanted a creed to anchor the body of Christ, but you're doing it for yourself to anchor your life in His Word. Praise God. Man, that was cool. That just kind of came around full circle, didn't it? Praise God. Stand up, if you would, please. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to trust you and gather together as a body. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to sow into each other. We will be receptive to your word. We will take your word and change our minds and our hearts and our interstates. And, and, and thank you for the word of the creed to put that into our lives, to, to get specific about what we're going through with your word and let your word come alive to us in those particular areas. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.